Hello, everybody. John here. And a great friend and mentor of mine, it's Russell Verhey. I met Russell, oh my goodness, six years ago as I was recovering from my accident. He was one of the best coaches that I've ever met, that I've ever worked with. And I've had the privilege of being coached and being mentored by Russell. And he has launched a podcast. It's called Leaders Advance. And you can find it at theadvance.net. And Russell had me on because, uh, as you guys might be aware, my book is going to be coming out in a few months, but we really went over some of the key points in the book about setting a worthwhile goal and dream. How do we determine a true north, right? Because we have to have a true north so we can not only set an initial course, but be able to make corrections along the way. And how do we then put all that together in a flight plan, you know, a personal action plan that we have day to day. So. I just so enjoyed this conversation on Russell's podcast. I asked him if I could take it and replay it here on Eternal Leadership, and he loved that idea. So that's what we're doing here, but I'd also like you guys to go check out Leaders Advance, theadvance.net. Thanks, guys. Well, hey, welcome, John. I'm so excited for this conversation with you today. We're on advanced leadership conversations and our conversations, I have to say, has truly been an inspiration and moments of encouragement over a number of years now. You've been a voice in my head and maybe even a voice (laughs) in my heart just in our friendship, but also just as a faithful facilitator and host of a podcast, which is now coming up on three hundred episodes. And so we want to talk about that today. But in just the spirit of conversation, I mean, you have modeled conversations with leaders. And I'm just excited today to see where this conversation is going to go as an encouragement, and maybe even an inspiration for the leadership listeners that are here today. So welcome, John. Yeah, Russell, thank you so much for having me on. And I got to tell you, I remember the day that we met, it was, it's got to be five years ago now, a friend of ours brought together just a group of strangers. And I remember man, there was just something about you that stood out. Because Russell, it takes, you know what it takes to have great conversations mm. is great questions. And you have this insight as you're listening, you're looking at what's the reason behind the reason or the question that's behind that question. And you inject kind of life and energy and depth in a in a conversation that I've always so appreciated. And I've brought that, honestly. You talk about that I've been a kind of a voice in your ear. I got to tell you, you've helped me model and become better at what I do as a coach in my podcast. And I love that you're having this podcast on conversation. So thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the affirmation and encouragement. And, you know, it takes me back to the the old axiom that leaders don't need new information. Perhaps they need to be reminded of what they already know. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, just to live out that discipline of asking questions to create a pause in the middle of the conversation and just say, hey, what's really going on here? And what's perhaps a question we could ask to go to another level and really talk about what is most important in this moment and creating that pause is just something that creates powerful moments. Mm -hmm. It's not what the information we hear or maybe even what's said that we remember. It's how people make us feel. And, you know, that's perhaps just one of those connections that, you know, you might say, 
created a bonding moment. My first experience with you, John, really goes back to your story and a story for those of you who don't know John's story, just in terms of really a guy who has truly taken advantage of second chances. Not everybody has those moments in life, but John truly was a life crisis moment on a horse riding accident a number of years ago. And through all the surgeries and all the opportunities to say no and, you know, perhaps to give up, truly to look at life as a gift and to be able to step into that to, as I have seen you now for a almost, you know, five to seven years that we've known each other. I mean, you truly, it's the carpe diem. I mean, you seize the day and everything you do and the relationships in the workplace and in your family. And so thanks for being faithful for you know, living out life faithfully every day. Oh, thanks, man. You know what I realized, you know, just going through all this life is awesome, but also life is hard. Mm. And I have a choice every day to wake up with gratitude or I can just choose to wake up and be crabby. Hmm. And you know what? I, you know, after the accident, when I realized, you know, I should be dead, but I get this amazing opportunity to be a husband, hmm. to be a father, to be in this world, actually having been in God's presence and immediately having the shift of understanding his nature of this person who has this deep, intimate relationship with me that I didn't understand until being in his presence, Russell. Hmm that he was inviting me into to join him in. And when I understood the nature of God, and then I actually, through my recovery, really understood not who I was. That was the wrong perspective, but who he created me to be. Hmm. Sounds like a subtle difference, but I got to tell you, when you start changing the questions that you ask yourself, you are going to dramatically change the results that you experience. Hmm. And that was a shift for me that was seismic, not who I am, but who was I created to be. And in that, I got to tell you, it was probably the first time in my life I really experienced joy. And I would tell you that that is probably what you're seeing is what you see as me, you know, seizing the day and doing all these things. It's because I've chosen with all my limitations, chronic pain, surgeries I've gone through is to live joyfully. But every day it is a choice. And I got to tell you, there's days I really struggle with it. You know, I have my ups and downs. Not every day is awesome. But generally, it trends up into the right. How's that? Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to not necessarily let, you know, the down moments or the hard days define you or to be excused or victimized, it's still a reality. But it's in the middle of that reality that you say, no, I'm choosing to step forward. And, you know, John, you live life on purpose, and that's not just a bumper sticker. I mean, it's just you teach it, you model it, but you live a life on purpose. And, you know, I don't wish anybody to go through what you have, you know, for, through an accident and the years of recovery and all the surgeries and therapy that you had to go through. But because of that, you say you wake up and it's like every day is a gift. And I get to choose to live on purpose. And that just comes through with an energy and a zeal that you have. And, you know, I just, one of the things that comes to mind in light of your story that just for whatever reason, I've probably, you know, taken from before your accident, some of your stories, you know, being the top gun guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> flying off of aircraft carriers and all those imageries that come with, you know, the iconic top gun, you know, music, theme music that's in the back of my mind, you know, and uh, as I just picture that, 
the message that has come out of some of those stories is the way high octane, high capacity, high potential leaders are like, you know, that jet sitting on the runway and all of a sudden you hit the accelerator and it's like, boom. I mean, it's high impact and a high acceleration and, you know, it's pretty thrilling. But at the same time, often leaders don't realize how much fuel they're burning in that moment. And, you know, I think of that so often just in terms of, you know, there's those folks that just have this ability to stay steady and they're just consistent. And man, I so appreciate those people that just have a way of just like, you know, they're on that one to two degree, you know, throttle and they just are consistent. And I so appreciate that. But there are others that are just these high inspiration, high impact leaders that are just like that F-16 fighter jet. And when they hit it, man, they hit it hard. And I think about that, just, you know, modeling the rhythms of life to take time and refuel. And I think that's where I, perhaps I'd like to just have you speak to today as you've learned the different rhythms of pressing in and pressing hard and coaching leaders and just seeing some of the things that help keep a leader healthy. Before we started recording, we were just talking about some of the issues that are facing leaders today and really the awareness, and I might even say the epidemic of mental health in terms of just, you know, incorporating, integrating some of those rhythms so that it doesn't lead to burnout. And I just, you know, I think it would be good just even as a new year begins in the context of this New Year's thrust of 2020, a new year, a new decade. There's some listeners here that, man, they are hitting it hard and man, go for it. But how would you encourage those leaders, those, you know, folks that are just ready to tackle the year? How would you encourage them to just build into some rhythms and pay attention to some of those mental health things we were talking about? Well, I think... When you're looking at kind of the mental health, and you know, I've struggled with that. When you have a severe traumatic brain injury like I had, your brain chemistry is actually altered that actually physically causes severe depression. Mm. And so they had me on antidepressants. I actually got off them very quickly, but I still struggle with it. It is still there. And as I've gotten to know people, here's what happens is when you are healthy, and if you actually look at your brain and how your brain is wired, our nervous system, our brain is actually does not cope well with kind of this Mach 5 hyper caffeinated, mm. fast driven, crazy world that we're all trying to live in. And before the accident, Russell, I, I thought that was just the mode I had to show up in to succeed. And what I realized is that was a false choice, that was a limiting belief. Mm. In, since the accident, I have accomplished more on the time that I can work, which is, is still is not 40 hours a week, than I ever did before the accident. And I think it's, you know what, for me, I honestly had to take time to slow down so that I could speed up in the areas that were important. Hmm. I had to, so think about this. You were talking about some of the, you know, flying analogies. I was a, you know, a Navy pilot, so we landed on aircraft carriers. So our landings were critically important. We practiced them all the time, over and over 
and over, dude. It was like, come on. Yeah. Think about it. Your jet's up there. It's burning tons of fuel. You're making all kinds of noise and you're going nowhere. Mm. And how many times do we just feel like we're like stuck in this landing pattern and we're starting to feel this overwhelm and the noise and pressure of the world is coming in and, and we're like, you know, I just want to break out of this landing pattern and set a course that's important for me and just break free and go for it. Mm. And how do we break out of a rut? You know, how do we get into a healthier place? And here's what I've really discovered from a high level is it takes living on purpose like you talked about, but your purpose, your calling, I think, well, I'll talk about myself, right? I went about it backwards. Like this was something I had to find. What was that one thing that I should be doing? I was in search of it. Like it was like the Holy Grail and I was on this quest. And as I slowed down and really worked in answering those two questions, Who's God and who did he make me to be? And I understood both of those and I stepped into my identity and made these small steps toward it. What I found, Russell, was my purpose and my calling and what's important revealed itself. It was no longer hidden. It was already always there. I just was trying to get about it in the wrong way. And as I got more in touch with you know, who I was, my skills, my talent, my values, my passions, all these things that God wired in me. And then I started structuring my life consciously of how do I do a little bit more today working in those areas? How do I work a little bit more toward my passions, a little bit more working into my strengths and skills? And those, some of those other things in my life, can I just do a little bit less of those? And I got to tell you, as I did that, and also in my calendar, gave myself permission to, you know what, unplug sometimes, to have some time alone. I love time with friends and family. I'm kind of like right in the middle between introvert, extrovert, maybe a little bit on the extrovert side, but just going for a hike or a walk, hmm. you know, three, four mile walk, listening to a podcast. I got up this morning at 630 and worked out for an hour. I used to not give myself permission to do that because I'm like, well, I can't do that because I'm going to let somebody else down. Hmm. But I had to look at all these different things. And also, I think having people in my life that I can share when I'm frustrated, when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And honestly, I think overwhelm comes from having all this stuff in our life, but not knowing what to do next or hmm. how to do it or who I'm supposed to be in these situations. I'm always trying to maybe please different people, but having a coach, having people like you, being in community where you can really find relationships, where you can really just be honest and vulnerable and share your victories, your wins. I mean, let's just say, Russell, you just closed the biggest deal of your life. How awesome is it to call somebody to share this huge victory where it's not, doesn't sound like it's bragging, but it's somebody who's there to just celebrate your hard work and your win with you. If you're having a bad day, you call them up and go, man, I did not have a good week. And you got friends where you can share some of that stuff with. And I think I've intentionally worked at expanding relationships like that in my life. And that has been huge too. Mm. So I appreciate that just to capture or recap, just, you know, your process walking through just a sense of living on purpose. You had the courage to 
invest into answering the big question of who am I and, you know, how has God made me this and what is that sense of purpose? Could I articulate that in a way that just resonates in terms of perhaps even a statement or a series of statements of something that I could begin focusing on? What are the most important things about my life? And for some of the listeners today who have not gone through a process like that, I would encourage you to ask some of those bigger questions. But what I also hear and what you have said is it really boils down to a series of daily decisions. What are those couple of things that truly energizes me? And what are those few things that perhaps drain me? And even just taking an account of one or two things that you could recalibrate just makes it very practical. Uh, The courage to ask the big questions, but then just the practical, what are the couple of things that I could adjust in the course of my day? And then finally, not doing it alone. Taking stock of those relationships in your life, looking at the who's who in my life. And if you're coming up short, perhaps just even as you're stepping into 2020, just investing in a few key relationships to celebrate your wins and perhaps just having someone there when you have some of those tough days. So what did I miss in that? No, that's spot on. Here's something people can do that's real practical. If anybody's ever read the five love languages and he has Mm. the whole analogy of the love tank. So I kind of took that to a different place about just me and said, okay, what's my own personal gas tank? What are those things that fill me up, give me energy, kind of build on the joy, tap into a passion? But what are those things that also drain my tank? Because I got to tell you, most of my business career, dude, I was running below a quarter tank or I was on fumes. And I think a lot of us find ourselves there. But you can literally sit down, take 10 minutes and write down, what are all those things that fill you up? A great conversation, cooking a meal, winning a deal. It doesn't matter what it is. And what are those things that drain you? Maybe it's conflict. Maybe it's drama. Maybe it's certain people that are in your life. And then, you know, parents, especially moms out there, it's okay to have your kids on both sides of that, Mm. (laughs) right? Sometimes the kids fill you up, right? When they're just sweet and they're awesome and you're doing stuff together. Or there's times, you know, I have, you know, uh, three boys, right? When they're being a little bit cheeky or they don't want to do their chores or they're just having a meltdown, right? They can be on both sides of that. But when you look at that list and say, okay, what's one small thing I can do to increase the things that fill me and and decrease some of the things that are drainers? Because I'm a huge fan, like you said, of small steps. I used to be a big planner, look out in the future. And then I realized for me, that didn't work very well. So I got to tell you, one of the things I'm always asking myself in the morning is what's that one small thing I can do today to just move forward Hmm. toward what I'm trying to create in my life and in Hmm. my family, in my faith, in my business. What is that? And then at night, a friend of mine, I love this saying, and I've adopted it. He said that excellence is the standard, but grace is the word. Hmm. Because when you get to the end of the day, you're like, well, you know what? I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Or you know what? I reacted and I got into an argument with my wife and I said I wasn't going to do that again. And you go and you ask for forgiveness again. But you know what? You got to give yourself the grace sometimes to say, you know what? I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes. But as long as I'm slowly kind of moving forward, things are just going to get gooder, Russell. Mm. 
I'm down for the gooder. <laughs> we need some gooder. And that word, I mean, grace absolutely is something that we could talk quite a bit about. But what lands on me in that, just the comment around that, is extending grace to ourselves when perhaps a standard we've set, such as a goal for a new year or a resolution or a conflict, you know, or, you know, some initiative we're wanting to step into where perhaps we fell short of our own expectation of ourselves and being able to extend that grace to ourselves like we would to, you know, someone else. Why don't we extend that very grace to ourselves? And, you know, that's such an important part of this, just health and just the mental health that we were talking about. What are some of the other things that you would encourage leaders to pay attention to when it comes to this discussion of mental health? It's a good question. You know, if you start, I I guess for me, right, just noticing some of the early signs, right, just not being motivated, not wanting to do what I know I need to do, having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you react in anger, you're like, where the heck did that come from? Interesting. Right? Yeah. Right. Like just the other day, like my son was doing something, I got frustrated hmm. and my reaction to the frustration was not to, Hey, let's slow down and have a meaningful conversation here. It was to react and kind of elevate my volume. And it turned into, I mean, you're dealing with a 16 year old boy, right? I should have a much more developed brain, but I I went right to kind of where he was at. But I think it's, you know what, developing this level of kind of self-awareness and what's healthy is really important. And then like for me, you know, my wife and I, we just have great conversations about these things. I'm in prayer, you know, all the time. But you know what, there's also times when you just realize like, I'm stressed out. Nothing seems to make sense. Like it just feels like Sunday night. I can't even think about getting through Friday. That is too extreme. That is too overwhelming. Hmm. So there's been times where, you know what, I would just steal myself Hmm. to just get through Monday. Hmm. And then Monday I would be like, okay, I'm going to get through Tuesday. And I got to tell you, these are signs where, you know what, you might need some help. Yeah. And like we talked about before, like this was interesting. We were at a uh, mental health at my son's school, right? Mental health because the suicide rate in our teenagers has gone up 30% in the last 10 years. It's really a problem. It was really interesting. She said, okay, how many, there was about 400 people. It was a big group. They'd pulled a couple of high schools together. And the woman speaking was from CCU, a psychologist. That's Colorado Christian University. And she said, how many people here have spent the night in a hospital? And about half the people raised their hand. How many people here have broken a bone in their life? And about half the people raised their hand. How many people here have ever struggled with mental health, anxiety, depression, addiction, any of these kind of things? Four people raised their hand. I was one of them because mm. I've gotten to the point where I'm okay being pretty vulnerable. And she goes, well, there's the problem because it's the same percentages. No kidding. Wow. And she goes, especially in the Christian community, we feel like this topic is almost off limits. Like it's a sign of weakness, Mm -hmm. a sign of sin. Your faith life is out of alignment. You're not praying right. But guess what? If you break your ankle, you're going to go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. Guess what? If you're really experiencing some of these things and you aren't getting to a healthier, better place, there's people that can help you. 
They're trained Christian counselors, psychologists, Christian therapists. A friend of ours, Chris McCluskey, that's, he spent his career as a, from a Christian perspective, worldview, you know, as a therapist. And that's how he got actually into coaching. But I think also, you know, being okay to go talk to a professional. And I've done that a couple of times when I've struggled, Russell, about a year ago, I felt like I was in this funk I couldn't get out of. I went and made an appointment, went and saw a guy about, oh, about six times. And he just really helped me. I didn't have to take any medications or anything like that. But somebody to ask a different set of questions than I was asking myself, look at things from a different context, start you know, finding some tools to cope with some things that were just happening in my world, my life, my health, the pain that I deal with daily can really just sometimes wear me down. But you know what? I think if you got into a problem on your own, thinking you can get out of it on your own, which is what a lot of us do, uh, what I've found for me, it doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. And what's fascinating is to hear your story is you're not supposed to be struggling with these things. I mean, you're doing leadership training all over the country, working with the military, you're coaching fortune level CEOs, you're doing speaking engagements around the United States. I mean, you're doing these podcasts with these, I mean, John, you're an amazing leader, a man of influence and a model for, for thousands. Uh, you have worldwide influence, but you just shared with us, you met with a counselor. How do yep. you reconcile that? <laughs> it's an interesting irony. I play along with that because go even going back to what fuels us is just the fuel of just being able to get the help that we need when we need it, you're modeling that for us that sometimes we are depleted. Sometimes we need to have some of that care and having some folks to walk alongside of us. And that is the very thing that refuels us to allow us to go what we're made and the purposes God has put in our hearts to do. You are a great leader because you're able to go when you need it to get refueled and cared for. And that is what allows you to operate at your best. And it's just really a, an excellent model for us. And I just would encourage our listeners to just whatever 2020 looks like, whatever hopes and dreams and ambitions and goals you have, whatever challenges you're facing, you know, listen to John's story. What are those areas that you need to have resourced in your life, whether it's friendships or, you know, relationships with those who support you, or perhaps just some of those care points where you're just acknowledging some hurt, some perhaps disappointment or unmet expectations, or just perhaps the uh, fog of, you know, I'm just not thinking right. And I just need to get some clarity and health working through this. And I just really appreciate this tension is uh, just hearing from your story, John. So, Well, think about this though too, Russell. Jesus modeled this for us. Mm. Think about every time that he sought guidance. I mean, he's deity defined, right? In human form. He was there at the beginning of the world, right? We are his creations, but he's now here in human form. Mm. And think about reading leading up to the crucifixion. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane because he knows what's coming, right? It's not like he just accepts it. He goes up and has a conversation with dad. Mm. He says, dad, please take this cup from me. But you know what? Not my will, your will. 
but help me out here. He was up there for hours and he came back to his disciples and they were sleeping. He's like, guys, really? Come on. You can't stay awake and, you know, be my prayer partners here for an hour. And then he went back and prayed more. Hmm. So think about that. The, the most amazing human who's ever lived reached out to his father for help. Hmm. Why wouldn't we? So I'm going to reach out in prayer to father, but I'm also going to reach out to other, I believe God uses the people in our world that are right now has equipped them, given them skills to be able to be there and a partner with me. So yeah, when I used to have a problem with that, I would have never seen a therapist or counselor probably before my accident. And now I just realized, you know what? I want to have a transformed mind, a mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. And if Christ is going to reach out in times of adversity, why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. I really take that just, you know, it's the story. I mean, I can picture that scene as I've, you know, thought about that over the years and bringing that together with your story and just for our listeners that just have a lot of ambitions and hopes for, you know, a new year, new decade, perhaps, you know, in the midst of, you know, just considering and reflecting on a year, just the question of what do I need? What do I need to be healthy so that I can be strong and courageous and be able to go do the purposes that, you know, I'm designed and made to do and be able to thrive and be successful and operate and work with a level of excellence. And just that honest conversation with yourself, what do I need? And to be able to answer that and then being able to take some next steps to resource that is perhaps, you know, just your response to even listening to this, just stepping forward. You know, it comes to mind just perhaps for me, you know, we haven't talked about this much, but I'm, I'm in a, uh, a wellness season myself. I haven't, uh, this, I've enjoyed and a lot of benefit being able to go on runs and marathons and climbing mountains. And I've just been very blessed physically with not a lot of sickness. But over the last years, you know, last year, I've just noticed some things and, you know, I'll get cramps when I go on runs and for whatever reason, my ears were ringing and, you know, and just my eyesight's been kind of faltering a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, and Carrie, my wife went and she just got me these vitamin supplements. And I mean, John, it was crazy. It was like night and day. I know it was just like filling in the gaps on some things, just in a simple little pill, and I'm not recommending your pill a pill that fixes everything, but it's just more of that supplement that has literally stopped the cramps in my legs after a run, or my eyesight has actually gotten better. I'm able to think with a level of clarity. I'm sleeping a little bit better, and I'm just paying attention to what vitamin deficiencies my body is asking for and getting supplemented. And I think about that from a relational standpoint. You know, I think about that from, you know, just a mental standpoint, just, you know, what are the things that we're doing to be able to take care of our needs so that we can go do the purposes that are set before us today in this year? So, so yeah, but what you said is so important, though. It's just the little things like, mm. you know, I'm, I went to Brendan Bruchard. I don't know if you know him, but I went to mm. his conference, Influencer Conference in San yeah. Diego. He said, listen, you know, if you never sign up for any of my programs, you don't do any of my coaching, you're here and you just have one takeaway. And the one takeaway is for you, you just start taking those small steps and that this year, 2020, 
make it your goal to get in the best shape of your life. And he talked about how he did that because he was very overweight, but he saw a nutritionist. He just started walking. He started doing little things. Now he's fit as I'll get out. But what I also realized, right, certain things, magnesium, fatty acids, things that even if you're eating healthy, you're not getting. Your brain chemistry is affected, muscles, cardio, everything. So I honestly think if you want to be a high performing leader, right? It's like, think about that jet on the flight line. Mm. There's tens or hundreds of hours of maintenance that goes into that airplane so that it can go fly a one or two hour combat mission at full capacity. Why don't we treat ourselves like that? Mm. We are a much higher performing machine than a fighter jet. Yeah. And just, you know, the maintenance or perhaps just the areas where you know your life and where perhaps are there areas of neglect that you could just look at, you know, resourcing that will allow you to be at your best when you step off that flight deck or fly off that flight deck. So so I love that so that you're healthy and at your best and able to meet just, you know, to serve in your leadership and levels of influence with all that you meet starting today. So, John, it feels like we've just had a conversation as friends, and I just have enjoyed this time, and it's been enriching, and it just ties into what I know you've been working on for a long time now, but particularly for the last few months. And it's a book that's coming up in 2020. Would you tell us a little bit about that work and investing in the who of leaders? Oh yeah, big time. It's really been exciting. Labor of love. The book is, the working title right now is Breaking Through, Mm. How to Lead on Purpose with a Purpose. And the book really follows my journey, but I was working with a metaphor with a client of mine and it was like everything clicked. And so think about this, Russell. Last time you were on a commercial airliner flying across the country and the crew has that beast on autopilot, what percent of time do you think that plane is on course? Mm. I don't know. It's less than 3% of the time. Oh my goodness. Now think about that. The autopilot's on, right? But you're getting hit by winds and turbulence and the engines are turning and everybody's getting up to go to the bathroom at the same time. And But the autopilot has to know three things to be able to make a course correction. The first thing is it has to know its destination. Hmm. It has to know where it's going, right? We have to know where we're going in our life, what we're trying to create, where we're heading. The second thing is it has to have a true north a navigational reference. If I don't know where true north is, first of all, I can't set that initial course accurately and I don't know how to make a course correction. Hmm. Okay, so we have to have a true north in our life. Mine is my faith, like who God is, who am I? And then the third part is the autopilot has to know exactly where it's at right now. It has to know its present position. And I really think that that is our identity. Right, And so when we work on those three areas, really understanding who we truly are, our identity, mm-hmm. where we're at right now, what our true north is, and out of that then setting a destination, then we have to put together a flight plan on how to get there, but also how to take into account adversity, contingencies, and put together that whole kind of flight plan for your life, taking those elements into account. So. That is what the book is all about, and that's kind of the flow that it follows. And I'm, wow. it's just been a blast writing it, and I'm excited to get it out there. I can't wait to read that. It's just I'm eager to step into perhaps answering or re-answering and therefore recalibrating 
some things that I'm reflecting on for this year and this decade. And I think that's going to be a tool that's going to to help me as well. It takes me back to camp, if you will. A few years ago, we did an exercise from also an Air Force grad who was facilitating the exercise. And he had a series of families line us up and gave us, you know, we started at the same point, but we had a heading that was only two to three degrees difference. And as we Mm. stepped out as families, as we got a hundred yards out, 200 yards out, we were all over the place. I mean, we were so far just by being off a few degrees. And that's really just, you know, a wonderful invitation, just getting back on course again. And no matter how far off course we feel today, you know, just what is our autopilot recalibrating to us? So yeah, it's a good point. Like if you take off from Denver, you want to end up landing in LA, not circling over Antarctica, (laughs) running out of gas, about to crash into a glacier, right? (laughs) Exactly. So John, as we wrap up our conversation today, and as you know, the leaders that are listening to these conversation here today, how would you encourage them to just step into a new year, but maybe even a new decade? Well, I would ask myself two questions Hmm. and take some time to reflect and write these down. And the, the first area would honestly be, let's say that it was six or 12 months from now, whatever time frame feels the best for you. And you're sitting down with your best friend and man, you are just, you're celebrating, you are high fiving. What would you love to be sharing? If you could wave, let's say a realistic magic wand, not you just won the lottery, right? But things that are actually within your control, within your, you know, kind of the edge of your, you know, kind of your stretch goals, what would those be? And if those came to pass, what would that do for you? What would that give you personally? What would that lead to? The second question I would ask, and I do this with my clients, and here's the question is, what might be slowing you down toward what you just shared, standing in your way or stopping you from accomplishing that right now? And I got to tell you, usually, Russell, I have to ask that question when I'm sitting across from somebody three, four, five times. The first question usually comes up pretty quick, right? Or the first answer. But then you got to really dig in. And as you're thinking about what that might be standing in your way or slowing you down or stopping you, ask yourself, what other parts of your life might that be affecting? Hmm. Right. What if you were able to either because you're putting some thought and focus on it or you're working with a coach or your Bible study or, you know, a mentor at work, whatever it happens to be, move through and past some of those constraints so you can flow freely toward those things that are important to you. And I think that is a great start of figuring out where you'd like to go and connect it to something that's emotionally important to you. And start to ask yourself the question, you got to slow down to speed up, figure out those things that are preventing you from making the progress that you want to make. And that's where I would start. Mm. Well, you've just put us on the right course for this year of slowing down to make sure that we're getting the help and the health to get us to the health that we need. But then you've course corrected us, just given us a series of questions 
that I think will get us on the right track for a new year. So, John, thank you. Your friendship means so much, and it's been a privilege just to be able to have a leadership conversation with you today. My pleasure, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. You are a blessing. You're a great friend, and you are touching the lives of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions over time, Russell. You're a force for good, and I love you. Mm, Thanks, my friend. 